0: What was life like in the time of Jesus? Last week we began exploring that question with a visit to a remarkable antiquity center in LaGrange, Georgia that was established by Jim Fleming, one of Christendom's foremost experts on biblical archaeology. This week we're going to continue with that visit. Stay tuned for an on-site interview with Jim Fleming. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to Biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Well, greetings in the name of Jesus, our Blessed Hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again, we're here in LaGrange, Georgia at the Tremendous Exploration and Antiquities Center with my good friend Jim Fleming, who established this remarkable place to give people a feel of what it was like to live in the first century. Now, Jim, we have just come out in front of a city gate. That's right. It's a very important place, isn't it?
1: It's amazing. A city gate is normally located at the place where this hill, where your town is, has a nice access to the plain or valley outside. Okay. And because it's usually a lower approach where your gate is, you have to make it extra strong. And so the easiest place to attack a city would be the lowest access yes so you build up extra towers usually the highest part is your gate tower you see here you see the little loopholes there you can yes. fire out bows arrows through there uh and throw down things that aren't very nice on yeah. your enemy if like coming hot in. oil yeah that messes your whole day up, whole day up. <laughs> but uh, the road comes in under the road is often a drainage because you're lowest place in your town. So there'll be uh, drainage going out of the town. But most important, that's where your judges sit.
0: Uh, I always read about that in the Bible. The yes. judges are at the gate.
1: You have two gate chambers here, each inside a, a tower. Uh, it's interesting. 3,000 years ago and today they were called judges' chambers and judges' benches. And there'll be a judges' chamber on either side And then usually a U-shaped bench inside where the judges sit. So this would be passport control. Okay. Let's just say we were...
0: So I could just wander into this city.
1: Well, the problem is there's a security problem. Are we friend or foe? Uh, Might we steal things? Uh, Do we want to stay the night? Usually there's an open area inside the gate where you would have um, guards and the people would stay. Uh, And also... There's usually a roof or two where maybe you don't fully trust them to be in town, but you can have them sleep up on the roofs. Or if they're someone you know over the years, you'll have them stay at your inns and in people's homes. But uh, it's not only passport control. Birth records are kept at a gate. So the Romans knew that Jews would try to avoid paying their high taxes to Rome for the body count. So they said you had to go to the place of your birth records. So even though in the Gospels, Joseph was living in Nazareth, his birth records were in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. And that's why he has to go on that journey. So birth records are at Gates. But your town judges, you need even a small town, you need three judges. So there won't be a split decision. Oh, (laughs) Sometimes a judge can't make up his mind. so there'll be uh, a good uh, governor will visit the towns at least once a year to process those cases. We understand Herod Philip was such a a governor, Caesarea Philippi Mm -hmm. in his territory. Herod Antipas, no, was not conscientious. But the gate is also where you might have some public meetings, where the crowds could be addressed at the city gate. And when the governor, or even more, the king is visiting, you have a throne. So you have here a little footstool area. But this would be for the address of important proclamations of the governor or ruler or even the king coming through. Um, and it's usually covered in you know in the shade. We found some of these at the city gates. You see there's a benches here and here for assistance, uh, for important meetings, etc.
0: Well, I'd like to sit there for just a moment, yes so what let's it feels see, like okay. First time in your life, you're going to be appreciated, right? Here we go. (laughs) Hey, this is very, very nice. It's uh, very soft and comfortable and uh, has a nice covering. And so the important people sit here.
1: Now, folks who are the hoi polloi, you know, uh, like cameramen, things like that, come up and kiss your feet.
0: No, no, I guess not. not. (laughs) Well, I won't require that. Okay, Okay, good,
1: good. I didn't think you would. I didn't think you would. Okay. But it's interesting... The way you say, judge righteously, if you're a prophet, is lift up your heads, O ye gates.
0: Now, gates don't look like heads, do they? But gates have judges. That's Psalm 24. Exactly. Lift up your heads, O gates, that the King of glory may come in. And
1: if you make bad judgments, your heads are bowed down in shame. How can you say, judge righteously, walk with your heads tall? Okay. Uh, deal justly in the land. And so the gate is a very important symbol. And remember, you could, a gate can leave people out or s- save people, protect them within. Uh, are you going to let poor people in when the enemy is coming? This becomes a big issue. Oh, yes. You have walled mother cities and unwalled daughter villages. It's interesting, the word iria in Hebrew, municipality, is a feminine word. So just like in English, uh, of Dallas, you would say she. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a mother-walled city has unwalled daughter villages. Okay. Uh, Joshua destroyed these cities and their daughters, that's men and women, old and young, in unwalled villages connected to a walled mother city. On the way to the cross, when the daughters of Jerusalem are weeping, that doesn't mean women. It means he's gotten outside the city wall, and the people outside the wall are called daughters. So think the wall is the skirt okay. of the mother city, and the outskirts, it really comes from that, yeah. are the people who can't afford the taxes and things to live inside, the poor. There's 200 references in the Bible where the word daughters is not next to a person's name. Daughters of Jacob means female offspring. Daughters of Israel, daughters of Judah, daughters of my people, daughters of Jerusalem means the landless, the poor, the forgotten, outside the protection of the walled mother city. Okay. So, the word of the Lord, many places in the Bible, comes to the daughters of my people. Don't forget, prophets, don't forget. The people easy to forget. And the prophet is reminding the king not to forget those who are easy to forget. And so, the phrase daughters of my people is the way you say that. Okay. On Palm Sunday... John uses that when he says everyone yelling Hosanna John quotes Isaiah say to the daughters of Jerusalem your Redeemer is coming that's the people outside the wall like on the Mount of Olives on Palm Sunday and uh, Jesus had a special conversation with the daughters of Jerusalem who were weeping because they loved Jesus and hung on his every word when they saw he was about to be crucified outside the wall where they were yes
0: yeah. In fact, Mary and uh, his, his uh, family uh, uh, of, of Mary and um, uh, Lazarus and um, uh, Martha, Martha Beth, yeah. were from Bethany, a town it's of It's a daughter Peoria. village. So that would be a daughter village. Yes. Yeah. And they would be daughters of Jerusalem. Yep. Yeah. If Jesus met the women who'd come from Galilee
1: with him to Jerusalem, he would have said daughters of Galilee. Mm-hmm. But he's talking to the people outside the wall sure. of
0: Jerusalem. But what else do you want to tell us about the city Okay, well, listen.
1: A city gate has several important things. Okay. You would have a water reservoir. Okay. This That's is always
0: a, at a city gate.
1: Well, it's the lowest part of the town, remember? Oh, yes. Your water is draining, so you try to have things channel okay. into a cistern. Now, a cistern, unlike a well, is where you would store rainwater that flows into it. For example, do you see here's a grading. this is the entrance.
0: Oh, so rainwater goes down through that. Okay. It's not
1: reaching groundwater. In fact, it was the, all gates are designed so no water leaves the city, if you can help it. So water f- falling on the top tower falls to this roof. On this roof, water drains from here into here into the cistern. When this water cistern is full, it goes to a cistern on the other side of the road. And you hopefully will never have uh, a rainfall with any water that leaves the city. You try to store it.
0: Well, catching every drop of water has always been an yep. important thing in Israel because of the uh, fact that they have such a long dry season. Explain that.
1: Yes. Our last rains are beginning of May. Okay. And then we don't get them again until mid-September.
0: That's a long stretch. It's
1: five, six months. So when
0: it's raining, you've got to collect it.
1: And so you have to collect the rain during the winter rains and store it And, of course, you need to store it underground because
0: algae. Algae, okay. So
1: darkness is the only
0: purifier the ancients would have had. So the algae can't grow without sunlight.
1: Right. So you have a cover for your cistern. And, of course, this is available for you if there's an enemy siege. Now, if you step back a minute, uh, yeah?
0: Let's talk about an enemy siege. Okay.
1: Well, for example, if you come over here, we can look back to some structures that are here there is a gate chamber here which we'll look at inside later but can you see in there there's a light colored wall yes this and always found just inside the gate will be a place for a caravan to unload its supplies you're going to see a row of water uh, mangers and uh, food mangers where you would then unload your animals so it's called a stable storehouse it serves two purposes One is, it's a stable for the caravan to stay, but when you unload the animals, you're storing goods. Okay. The Bible calls a city like this a store city. It's where you're trying to store enough supplies, so if you're under enemy siege, you'll have enough supplies to live off.
0: And not only supplies, it's water that's very important.
1: Water, supplies, now these supplies will be Mm non-perishable. Grain, olive oil, dried fruit, nuts, things that will last. Okay. So you must have those at a gate. Okay. Then uh, you would have, of course, on the other side of the gate, your gatehouse. But on the top would be a military installation because this would become the highest part Mm -hmm. of your city where you can shoot down, throw down things, you know, on your uh, enemy. But we not only store in a stable storehouse. We have two other ways of storing I'd like to show you over here. Okay, let's go over there. This is another place where you would store things. Okay, It is a silo, a grain silo. Notice that it's cut down into the ground. It is domed over, of course you don't want rain to come in. Mm -hmm. But you store your things in sacks, not in free grain, because you need to be able to easily take sacks out. You have a problem if Water starts seeping in to be able to move sacks, dry sacks. You're bringing new ones from your threshing floor in. But I'd like to mention a few things about this. Would you come down with me? Sure. Lead the way. Coming down, David, let me show you an underground grain silo. You see there's places for oil lamps on the sides. And you're going to be storing as much grain as you can. But as you see, you keep it in sacks. As you're looking down towards us, you can tell that you've got an inner wall that's plastered here, then your stairway, There's actually another stairway here going out, so if you're bringing inside, so this is
0: one-way traffic. One, right, down and, and then
1: road. you go up and you know bring in more down, etc. Uh, sometimes with kids' groups coming to the museum, we have them haul all of this grain to the threshing floor, the next group. Do you ever tell them that ground. that
0: was women's work back then? Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> but you'll be able to see
1: we have it filled with... Pete moss and oh, peat moss. That was real grain. But what's most important here, you understand, if you can't outlast an enemy's siege, when the enemy is coming, it's done for you. That's right. The Israelites did not have an offensive army. They have a defensive army. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, have siege equipment, battering around. Mm-hmm. All you have is an ancient Hebrew ...is an ability to store supplies, have a wall, and hope and pray you can outlast the patience of your enemy who has besieged your town. Mm -hmm. And your storehouse stable, your silo, are part of your insurance. Okay. Let's go look at another food storage place. Okay. David, come with me. We're now outside the city... The terraces of the fields. Okay. If you are a farmer, you don't know if the city slickers are going to let you in when the enemy comes.
0: Never thought about that. You Uh.
1: probably were told, pay your taxes to us. Don't worry. We'll let you in. We'll take good care of you. And some of your hard-produced barley, wheat, oil, olive oil is stored in the city when the enemy comes. But then, can you imagine, when push comes to shove, every daughter, family, you let in the city is one day less of stored food for your family if you live in the city. Mm-hmm. How many are gonna vote? Keep those le- Yeah, keep <laughs> them out, keep them out. Uh, also, they're less educated. Think what will happen to your unemployment during this siege. You've got kids graduating from Megiddo University (laughs) looking for a job think if you're flooded with all of those folks from outside Mm -hmm. and the prophets tell the kings don't forget the daughters of my people but I bet you they were often forgotten so if you're living outside the city wall you bury some supplies because you're not sure you're going to be allowed inside and so you'll camouflage them but you'll have huge (laughs) jars huge jars filled with grain Uh. buried in the field. Buried in the field. Yep. Now, Jeremiah chapter 41, verse 8. The Babylonians have destroyed most of the towns and they started torturing a farmer from out in the fields. And he says, don't kill my family. I can show you where we have buried in the fields ah. grain, oil, and honey. So these huge underground pits, you see we have another one here, are places <laughs> that you could, shall we say, in case the city doesn't let you in. And sometimes, by chance, an archaeologist working on excavation in a city yes. has not found all the underground storage pits, these pithoi, these huge, mm-hmm. you know, this five, six feet deep sometimes. But by accident, a road project in Israel somewhere in the countryside, you come across a lone few big pots out in a field full of carbonized grain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I want to stick with you, look how desperate daily life was back then. You don't ask if the enemy is going to come. You only ask when.
0: It's just when.
1: And so the prophets are struggling to give them a message of trust in God, Be wise, prepare for the enemy. But I'd like to maybe another place we could sit down more at the city gate where uh, some of these discussions are going on more intensely and discuss what really happens during a siege. All right,
0: let's go to the city gate and sit where the elders. Oh, okay, big time. I hope you are enjoying our tour of the Explorations in Antiquity Center in LaGrange, Georgia. The center is designed to show how people lived in the first century during the time of Jesus. It's open to the public and has a variety of educational programs for both adults and children. You can get detailed information about the center at its website, which can be found at diggingforit.net. If you missed our introductory program last week, you can find it on our website at lambline.com. In that program we saw how people lived in tents, how they cared for sheep and goats, how they quarried stone, how they grew grapes, and how they processed grapes and olives. Let's return now to our study of the importance of city gates. Okay Jim, we're up here on top of a gate now, and uh, what are you going to tell me about a siege? (laughs) Okay, can you imagine
1: Uh, they've let in all the unwalled folks are going to. The gate has been slammed closed. And now we're preparing for the Assyrians to come. We've heard their distant shofar drum uh, uh, and ram's horns blowing, and we know they're about to be here. Uh, The prophet's going to try to moralize the people. Trust God. Be brave. The king and the army are going to mount the highest point, the gate tower behind you here. And then they start throwing sling stones. But worse, they bring huge battering rams up the slope to our city, bam into the wall. They even have these prying pointed things to start wiggling some of the rocks in the city defenses. They're going to be uh, also shooting firebrands, uh, arrows of flaming into the city, and at the same time, sappers are going to be digging tunnels trying to get under our wall. And Some of these sieges lasted two to three years long. The Bible tells us the Assyrian siege of Samaria, the capital of the northern ten tribes, was three years. Can you imagine the starvation?
0: Well, yes. And Nebuchadnezzar's siege of Jerusalem lasted a long time. The
1: ninth to the eleventh
0: year of King Zedekiah. And and, uh, Jeremiah even describes how he saw evidence of cannibalism of women eating their children.
1: Yes. this sounds strange, but we've actually found a toilet from the last couple years of Jerusalem, a toilet seat, and uh, this will make sense in a minute, David. Don't look okay. at me so. Strange. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, the seat was still in in situ in yeah. its original place. But because of that, we could determine the diet and the diseases of everyone who used that toilet, yeah. and the last two years of Jerusalem, meaning from. The ninth to the eleventh year of King Zedekiah, 589 to 587 BC, the diet went from field grains and fruit to grasses growing between the rocks inside the city. And the diseases were tenfold. So you can just imagine how desperate people were. Now, there were false prophets going around telling the people, don't worry, God's going to give you a final victory. Don't worry. Uh, God is on your side. God loves your nation more than other nations. You won't have enemies. You won't have drought. And then the prophets of the Lord came. You know, you can be a child of God and still have drought and still have enemy. The difference is God will be with you during them. And even if, what the worst thing you could think of, captivity from your land to a foreign land, even in captivity... The Lord will weep with you by the waters of Babylon where you weep and bring you back. One of the best verses about that theology is Isaiah chapter 40, the last verse. I shall run and not be weary. I shall walk and not faint. I shall mount up with wings like an eagle. The Lord helps you through life's darkest moments and brings you back. And that hope held them through. And do you know the two easiest archaeological levels for us to separate on a dig? Before the Babylonian captivity, idols in all the houses, most of the houses. After not one idol, there was national repentance and renewal. They came back from that national calamity without idols. And God was able to do amazing things with the people. In the days of Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, the rebuilding—we call the Second Temple period.
0: Mm-hmm. So it cleansed them of idolatry.
1: Sometimes it takes a hard
0: time before
1: you have introspection and see how much you turned away from the Lord. Yes. So this is a wonderful um, reversal of fortune. <laughs> God specializes in taking difficulties, not giving up bringing Him through, and making good out of it.
0: Well, the Lord can do that. Yep. yep. Well, folks, we're sitting on top of the city gate uh, here at uh, Jim Fleming's uh, Antiquity Center in LaGrange, Georgia, and uh, I wanted you to see something very special that's on the ground behind us. It's one of my favorite places here, and so we're going to look over Jim's shoulder and have him tell us all about it.
1: One of the most important aspects of our work at the Explorations and Antiquities Center is for children. We have here what we call kids dig. They're actually real replicas of archeological digs, and every night our staff comes out and buries real archeological finds, not replicas, which means we can't let the kids keep them, but we want them to touch something two, three thousand years old. The far side is for preschool young children It's uh, dinosaur bones. The next one is a one-period site. It's a house found in an excavation in Capernaum where their courtyard was an industry for dyeing things purple. Then our next, the third one up, is an Old Testament period site. Um, It has uh, an Egyptian temple from the time of the Exodus for the worship of the cow god that was destroyed by the Midianites and then rebuilt as a Midianite worship area for an invisible God. They actually found a brazen serpent in the Midianite Shrine. Then the last one over here is more difficult. It's three different periods, one on top of the other. The bottom is a first century house in Capernaum, and there's fishing equipment in it, sinkers, even part of an old net, weights. That house, became a house church, the word was domus ecclesia, Domicide house, church. All the domestic pottery disappeared and it becomes only oil lamps. So you can tell, it goes from a living house to people gathering to pray and sing hymns, only oil lamps. And eventually, in the 450s AD, an octagonal church was built on top. And we have there mosaics and carved stones from a fifth-century church. Getting kids excited about the past. You know, truth is not only in the future. For those of us from the Judeo and Christian heritage, we look to what God has done before. Before is a great word. It happened before. But if we have open eyes, we can see it before us. And we're trying to make a place where it's easier to see and understand what God has done before.
0: Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope you will be back with us again next week when we will continue our tour of the Antiquity Center. Until then, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near.
2: Are you interested in gaining new insights about the Bible through archaeology? Four of our Christ in Prophecy episodes with Dr. James Fleming, filmed at our studios in Dallas, can be enjoyed on one DVD entitled, Biblical Archaeology. In these four fascinating programs, Dr. Fleming discusses the importance of biblical archaeology, the significance of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the relationship of the Eastern Gate to the location of the ancient Jewish temple. In the final interview, he discusses a wide range of archaeological issues, such as the sites of Mount Sinai, the Mount of Transfiguration, and the Tomb of Jesus. The running time of the video is approximately 80 minutes, in addition to individual study, this series of 20-minute programs would make a great discussion and teaching tool for Bible study groups. This album is available for a gift of $12 or more, plus the cost of shipping. To order a copy, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com.